<laughs> founder of the British Blacklist, and I'm here with a wonderful lady. She's a wonderful lady, and she's really <laughs> skilled, and she's got lots of stuff under her belt, but I want her to say it. Please introduce yourself and tell me what your name is and what you do. <laughs> I'm London Hughes, and I'm basically comedy Beyonce, so calling it from now. I mean, you've been calling it since like 2010 or something like that. You've been saying you're Beyonce. You, you are Beyonce. You, you can claim it. I'm comedy Beyonce. Yeah. Have you met her? Yeah, does I she, have. Has she, does she know about um, the Beyonce groceries and at home with Beyonce? Oh my God, you're old school. Do you remember that? That was 10 yeah. years ago. No, she doesn't. But I want her to know I exist. Listen, she's on Netflix. I'm on Netflix. Maybe she clicks on to catch a dick. Maybe she says, I want you to dance in my next video. Who knows? She might just, and the thing is, actually, because the last time <laughs> I saw you physically in the real world was, um, um, well, an unfortunate event because it was um, celebrating the passing of um, Victor. Yeah. It was a, the event, the party that they had for him. And do you know, I just remember being in awe of the fact that you perfectly, perfectly <laughs> executed the Remember the Time video. And I'm like, I can yeah. do it and I just do the bits and bobs. Yeah. But you've got the full choreography the down. The full back. choreography, the full oh, choreography. Really? When did you learn how to do that? Like, why? Why? Shaming me. Because I'm a sad child. Because <laughs> I, I used to watch the box music television you control back in the day on cable channel 39. And I would basically just wait until any Michael Jackson video came on and learn the full routine to everyone. So be it, Thriller, Remember the Time, Billie Jean, Every, I know the full routine to every single one of his videos. No, no, you, no, you, I was actually, because me and my friends joke about doing it, so we kind of do it. And I used to be a dancer and I feel really like, I need to make excuses because this fucking girl just came <laughs> with the whole perfect routine. And I'm like, oh, I can't, and I'm like, you know, like double dutch, I'm trying to jump in, but I'm yeah. not even you like it. It. No, it's cool, it's cool, don't worry. Don't worry, don't do it. YouTube is there for a reason, babe. This is, is we're in lockdown. Well, this is 2021, you're, you'll be remembering the time. I might be remembering the time that you did it perfectly and I'm just not going to try it <laughs> But it is wonderful. I, we, I can't believe we haven't actually spoken in all my time of doing the British Blacklist. It's been a long time coming. Wow. No, we haven't. I, I've talked That's about you. That's you lot's fault. It's my fault. It is my fault. <laughs> because you know what as well? Because you're here, then you're not here. Then you're there, then you're not there. So it's kind of like, what's it all about then? Why have you been here and there and everywhere? Why not? What is? What has been your journey? Has it been you know difficult? It's been 11 years of grind, but yeah. also I feel like I can, I don't know. I don't think I'm, a, I'm any different, but I just notice things. And I was noticing a pattern in Britain when it comes to black women in entertainment spaces, whether it's music, whether it's uh, acting, whether it's presenting, whether it's comedy. I just saw that they were not letting us shine. And from a very young age, I knew in my gut that America was where I was supposed to be. I couldn't tell you why. Maybe because as, you know, as black women, we grew up watching American TV, African-American TV characters shaped our childhood. And me, the first black woman I saw on TV was Aunt Viv from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So as a girl, you go, oh, if I want to be on TV, I have to be African-American or go to America, you know? So that was always the plan from a very young age. And by the time I got into comedy, the patterns just kept coming up. I nearly had my own show eight times. I know. Um, and yeah. I think those are the stories that we've, oh, London Hughes is going to be, and then London Hughes is going to be, and then London Hughes is going to be. Yeah, it's like they talk, and then nothing. And like, I've had so many failures, and 
I just wanted to win. I was like, <laughs> what the, like, it's so hard when there's nothing you can do about it. Like, it would be different if I wasn't getting these opportunities and then I looked on television and every other black woman was. Mm. But when you realize actually you're not the problem because there's not any other women doing anything. Women in comedy are, even today, there's a whole thing because Channel 4 have a show called Big Fat Quiz of the Year. Yeah, yeah. And this year, this episode, which is airing soon, the whole panel, it's a comedy show, but the whole panel is comedians and then non-comedy women. So Maya Jama and Stacey Solomon are the women and then the men are all male comics. So female comics are like, when are you ever gonna book female comics? And that is like something I was noticing for years. I would be going up against the girl from Gogglebox for a role <laughs> or uh, an Instagrammer or uh, the girl from Made in Chelsea, the girl from The Only Way is Essex, the girl from Love Island. And I'm like, this is fine, they can exist, but also female comics, we have worth too. Yeah. And I feel like Britain doesn't really know how to manage it's women in entertainment spaces and then being a black woman. <laughs> How very dare you? Unless you're Sandy Toxvig. I think she's the only one who's consistently yeah. on at the very least. consistent. I mean, the old school ones, they had a good run because you've got Dawn French, you've got Sandy Toxvig, you've got Joe Brand, who I will all say had careers in comedy. Whereas Tina Yashere, Miss Jocelyn, Glenda Jackson, Lissy Ethnic, where are they? So for me, as the new generation who feels like a veteran, who feels like she's never had an opportunity, I just had to leave. It was the best thing I ever did. That's the standard story. And it's annoying, like, it's annoying, a shame, shitty that you've had to continue in that trend where like to be here is just to be ignored and denied. So every time those shows fell through, what was the excuse? Uh, we're not looking for female-led talent. We're not sure our audience would get you. Um, we're not looking for BAME talent. <laughs> uh, um, give it a few years uh, we don't think you're ready all the same stuff that they say I guess or could you put Jack Whitehall in this that was a lot I kept getting asked to put amazing male white comic Jack Whitehall in my things I'd be writing shows for myself and they'd want me to put a guy in it I just feel like they couldn't understand it I feel like the people in charge of making these decisions just saw the world in one way and they couldn't comprehend that the audience might want something different. Whereas mm. in America, even though people think America is so behind as well, there are famous female comics. There's Amy Schumer, there's Ali Wong, there's Tiffany Haddish. There's, there's, you've got two black female comics that are famous. Leslie Jones and Tiffany Haddish, mm. Wanda Sykes, uh, Whoopi Goldberg. That's, that's like literally four off the top of my head that are like millionaires. They are millionaire female comics. Name a black British millionaire female comic. That stayed in Britain and, and that, running things in Britain, yeah. Yeah. This, it's so funny, this island is so powerful, but yet so small-minded. It's So really small-minded, so oh. small-minded. And they so, say like, Britain's not racist. And it's like, yo, look around you. Like just, how can you even say that and, and really believe that when London is the most multicultural melting pot of different races and then you watch EastEnders and it's, <laughs> or you like it's just weird I just find yeah I just had to get out otherwise my mental health would be affected like I had what? to just try I was like let me at least try you know I didn't know if I was gonna win in America I knew that it would take it might take me some time I gave myself five years <laughs> I didn't expect it to happen in yeah. eight months in a global pandemic <laughs> but when so you made the decision to go and what was it that what was the first thing you did whilst there and what did you have on, in your arsenal so I prepared myself so before I came to America I wrote 10 TV show pilots, 
Whoa. and 10 movie treatments and 10 entertainment show treatments. Yeah, I, I'm not playing around. So when I got here and they're like, hey, London, you're so great. Have you got, yes, I do. I have this, 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 and this. I was going to general meetings like I'm in the dragon's den and pitching, like da -da -da, pitching me. And I had like all the stories, I had things that backed it up. I got a movie because I literally spoke to Will Packer who made Girls Trip and James Lopez, the president of Will Packer Productions and was like, there are no black British female characters in Hollywood movies. And they were like, wow, you're right. And I was like, literally it doesn't exist. In Hollywood, black British females the actors themselves come over and play American characters. Yeah. But when have you ever seen a black British girl being a black British girl in a movie? In Britain, let alone in Hollywood. And I was telling them about great British movies that they love, like Notting Hill. I was like, you know the amount of black people that there are in the actual Notting Hill, but not one black extra in the movie. And they mm. were like, there's black people in Notting Hill? And I'm like, yeah, they have a carnival there. <laughs> like, and I was explaining this black British culture to, to Americans and they were like, We've never seen this in movies. Okay, let's do something about it. And that's how the conversation started with Hot Mess. And then, then so I had, I prepared myself and then I had the talent. They saw me do stand up. They watched To Catch a Dick and was like, movie, To Catch a Dick, this girl, let's go. Talent and preparation really pays off in America. <laughs> I can't talk <laughs> Not I can't speak for Britain. I can't speak for Britain because I've been very talented and very prepared for 11 years and never had anything, any success like I have here. So. But also the difference over there is that you're speaking to black executives. That's so true. Where even though there is obviously sexism, patriarchy, and we have our own mis misogynoir within our own culture yeah. and community, you have black executives at the very yeah. fucking least that will... Yeah. Oh, okay, there's room for us to explore this because yeah. there's enough of us to get this done and we've been doing this. But yeah. over here, who the hell are, who? Our black executives are still under the cost of white executives. Yes, we've got what? So Anne Mentor is yeah. black who works for Netflix. And again, she's the first and only, I think. And again, it's just her. It's not like she's got a team above her that are black women or black men. It's just, she's just, you know, but she's championing talent. I do, I have a lot of time for her. So it's a good thing. It's baby steps, but the steps are too small. I'm like, hey, what I don't want is for any other black woman to go through what I went through, because there were days, like I could get into an emotional thing about it because I'm talking to you right now in my beautiful LA apartment and I'm talking okay. about me living with my mom, presenting children's television and watching all my white male friends be British comedy stars and having, you know, when your parents go, don't you know that guy? And you're like, yes, yes, mom. And they're like, he's got his own show. How comes you haven't got, yeah, okay. Oh, don't worry, don't worry about it. Like I had to explain to my parents why the guys I started comedy with are famous and I'm not. My parents just didn't understand. They were just like, but you're talented and you work hard and you're really smart. Why aren't they giving you a show? And I'm like, I don't know, mom. I can't, I don't know, dad. I don't know what to tell you. And it was very frustrating. And I just feel like, I've been public about me going to America, being like, I'm leaving and you're gonna regret this because I don't want it to happen to anyone else. I don't want any little funny black girls to go through what I went through. Cause it's, you need a strong spirit <laughs> to, to last in this industry, especially maintaining a standard. Like comedy's paid my bills for 11 years. Luckily I've never had to work. I am um, dropped out of university to go on CBBC. That was when I was 20 and I haven't had a regular job since, you know, I've been on TV and stand up gigs, but. America's where it's at, man. I'm, oh, 
is really where it's at. <laughs> I mean, and then let's talk about to catch a dick. I mean, to catch a dick, young lady. I know. What did I you thought, think of it? No, 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 no. Let me get there. So I watched it and I was like laughing and relating and seagull, fuck you, but whatever. <laughs> I was like, oh, this girl. I, 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 and my daughter came home. She had an appointment. She came home. She's 20. She's 20. I was about to say 21. I keep aging her. She's 20. And she was like, mommy, what are you watching? I was like, you get out. <laughs> don't worry about that big people, stuff. Big people things big people things, <laughs> even though she's 20 so but anyway so I was like it's so funny it's funny right all that stuff obviously yeah, <laughs> fine, fine let's get that out of the way it's great <laughs> but it's more the fact that it's so um you're, you're you've got the energy I don't know how you had that energy when you didn't flag you barely broke a sweat you sweat a bit but you didn't break yeah. you, didn't, you weren't dripping I was no. like this girl this is why she did the fucking remember the time routine perfectly <laughs> you like the energy levels you kept up the delivery you kept up and you matched the energy of the s'mores the moniques the um and it's so it's ironic that i'm speaking to you i, I don't know if it was coincidental sub, subconsciously coincidental because i watched def jam 25 re-watched it the other day on okay. netflix and then yeah. I've just gone back into Amazon Prime to watch the Def Jam show, the old school Def Jam show. Because mm-hmm. I grew up, as you said, African hey. and I'm a bit older than you. So there's that extra level of 90s stuff that's embedded in me. So Def Jam was my Oh, thing. same. My thing. But I was like, you, if you 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 would have killed it on the Def Jam stage, I believe. It just fit. It just, it's just so weird. You fit in that space. And that's also to the de- like to the annoyance of what the UK missed out on because yeah. I don't understand it, it doesn't make any sense because you held your own on that stage and I don't think I've ever I've seen you in bits and bobs but to watch I don't I don't think I've watched a full show of like, I haven't been allowed to you haven't yeah. watched me because I haven't been allowed to do one I've yeah. never ever ever starred in anything in Britain I've made appearances I've been funny on that show I've done a bit here but I've never had the opportunity to like have my own show or have my own tour or ha- like it. So no one, I feel like this will be the first time Britain's really seen me, or the world, but mainly the UK, really seen me allowed to do stand up. Like this is what happens when you give me a platform, you know? This is what I can achieve when you give me the opportunity to. In the fact that you haven't been given the chance to do this, how did you train for that? Because it was, uh- Obviously, like, you know, you've got a whole show. Not every joke is extremely funny. Some people, you've got 90% of the jokes are funny, right? Let's just say that. Yeah. That's a seasoned, I don't know, something about the the professionalism of how you delivered that. So how did you practice because of... So so last year I wrote the show and I performed it at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival. And that's every day for a month. And I trained myself to add a new joke every day. And so by the end of the month, I had a really polished show. And then I had to take that show to America and change all the references because Americans don't, like I said nail varnish once and then and they were like, what? They don't even, they call it nail polish. There's so many little things yeah, that true. we say that they don't say. And so like, I then had to tweak it for an American audience. So I performed it five times in LA. So I did a month in Edinburgh. I did a little tour in London, did Soho Fit at 10 days. And I did two days at the Bloomsbury Fitter in January. Then COVID hit. And I had eight months of nothing. And then Netflix called me a month before and said, we're doing this in five weeks. And so I practiced it twice and then had to go do it. <laughs> like it was just do or die. And what were the first responses from American audiences? Like, did you have- loved- I was worried because you know what American audiences are like. They don't do curse words. They're not, you're not even allowed to like, you know, who got in trouble for putting up their middle finger at the Super Bowl? Like it's very, 
America is a country I was worried that they would get it, but Dick is universal and they got it more than Britain. There was some, like you, so you've watched it. Look how many applause breaks. Yeah. They're clapping me because I said I suck Dick for shoes and they're clapping me. I mean, young lady. I mean, and you said it was all this, okay. You said that this is all 100% true. It cannot yeah. be 100% true. Why? Okay, fine, all right, fine. I've lived a sheltered life, allow me. <laughs> Yeah, it's all true. How do you like, because you mentioned your family, your brothers and your dads. Mm -hmm. So they're mm -hmm. all here breathing, watching you. How do you, how, how, do you, how? First of all, my dad will never, ever, ever, ever watch it. Me and him, <laughs> okay. or he already knows, like, my dad loves me. He's my biggest fan. He's a comedy connoisseur. He's the reason I'm, I am who I am today. But he can't watch his daughter talk about dick. He just no. can't. He just no. can't. So he's not going to watch it. But my brothers are, and my brother said, I literally said to him, like, my brother Joel, I was like, Joel, I'm gonna do some jokes about you and to catch a dick, how do you feel about it? And he was like, sis, as long as it's funny, you can say what you want. And my mom, she's seen it and she's like, it's true. And so my mom's from that generation where like you never spoke about, like we're Jamaican, so you never spoke about sex with your parents, you never did all that. And so my mom thinks it's funny that she's, and progressive that she's got a daughter that can not only talk about it, but joke about it on a global scale and she's like it's the truth if I was lying she'd be more annoyed but it is true this did happen to my mom and my mom doesn't regret her decisions in life and she just finds it funny she watched it and I was so scared she found it so funny I thought she was gonna beat me I was like oh my god I'm gonna get banned from the family oh and my grandma cannot never watch it she will never no no you call no. i mean i'm not gonna, I'm not a church friend would never like no, this no. just problematic she's got she goes Literally. to church three times a week the pastor what's pastor pastor humphrey's gonna get mad like it's just so she, my grandma doesn't know anything about it <laughs> on the back of that she's gonna have this big hollywood feature and the people are going like lois to london hughes to catch a dick this is gonna yeah be one of those things. But also, you know, in telling those life story truths, which this is, and this is what it is. It's like, you've got slapstick comedy, you've got physical comedy, and you've got the people that tell tell true comedy, their true life mm -hmm. comedy. I think Kevin Hart's that, so he's the exec producer. Observational, so, yeah. Yes, exactly, thank you. Observational. Observational humor. I mean, obviously I'm a comedian too, and I know these things. Yeah, no, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah, carry yeah. on, sorry, sorry. Thank yeah. you, don't correct me when I know things. Sorry, um, okay. But then, yeah, so uh, I, uh, Kevin Hart's an observational comedian. Mm -hmm. um, what did he, so what was it like meeting him and him saying, yeah, sure, we'll have, we'll, we'll exec a bit of that. He was insane. He flew me out to Las Vegas. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kevin Hart is the busiest man in the world, full yeah. stop, hands down. And I met everyone on his team, but I had never met him. And I didn't, I had the opportunity to go with Many people wanted this show. I didn't have to go with Kevin Hart, but I genuinely felt that his company connected with me on a deeper level. They got me from the get-go and I wanted to work. They wanted to work with me before I'd even written to catch it. We had some other things in plan that are actually coming out soon that I can't talk about. But this to catch a dick was like a surprise because no one knew I had it in me because I just wrote this show for me. It wasn't even like planned i was like i'm just gonna write this comedy show for me and see how well it does and i didn't know it would resonate with the world like it did so when i wrote it the team were like london we'd love it and i was like what does kevin think they were like kevin loves you he loved you and he'd ring me he'd text me he'd be like london like i love you like this is so you're so funny and but i'd never met him so we did a lot we did that for about a couple months 
And then I was like, it's getting silly now. Like I have to meet you, but he's so busy. So he flew me to Las Vegas uh, to meet him. We spent the whole day together. And all we did was just talk about my future. And he just told me how, how proud he was of me and how talented he thinks I am. And he was like, what do you want from me? And I was like, Kevin, I want you to help me become comedy Beyonce. And he started laughing. He was like, I got you. And he was just like, do you know what? I'm going to drive the train. You get on my train, I'll drive you to stardom. And I was like, so emotional. And he was just like, what you've done today, your great, 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 great grandkids will benefit from. And I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then he was just talking about, you know, how there's no one like me and how impressed he was with me. And yeah. That's making me feel emotional because I think sometimes, especially as black women, the journey that we go on to have someone see you for fuck's Right. Sake. And this guy, this man doesn't know me. It's not yeah. like he's my, it's not nepotism. He's a man. He's first of all, a man in America. Kevin Hart could co-sign anyone he wants in the world. Look how many comedians there are in the world. The yeah. fact that he saw me and saw something in me enough to say, I'm going to put my name on this, my $300 million name <laughs> yeah. on this. I'm from Croydon. I'm from Fortney, Croydon. Like, <laughs> this, is, this doesn't happen. So, uh, yeah, when I came back from Vegas, I was just a mess. I was crying and crying and crying and crying because I was just like, he said what you'd want anyone to say to yeah. you. When it's him, you're just like, Jesus. Yeah. So this is only the beginning for mine and Kevin's partnership. We were doing some more stuff together. And I think he's great. I'm so grateful for him helping me. Because let's be clear, I've been in the UK for 11 years. Not a single male comic over there has said, hey, I'm Michael McIntyre. Do you know what? I want to help this black girl out from South yeah. London. You know, not that he has to. It's not his place. But it's very telling that I had to leave for this to happen, you know? What do you hope people are going to take away? Because to catch a dick, it's not for the faint-hearted. You're, no. you're very raw. So it is, and it is, like I said, I've been watching Def Jam, so I'm all right, and I grew up on this stuff. So I, I'm used to hearing a woman curse and talk about sex with her chest. Some yeah. people might not, and especially the British audience that think they're woke and ready, they're not. Yeah. And like, oh my God, it's vulgarity. <laughs> What do you want people to take from it? What do, they, what do you want them to understand about you and who you are? I want them to know that this is a pure example of a woman living in her truth. Whether you want it, whether it's for you or not, it's my truth. And I think recently women have literally been taking up space in and sitting in their truth when it comes to sex, when it comes to everything. You've got songs like Wet Ass Pussy being the biggest song in the world. That would never have happened 10 years ago. The zeitgeist has shifted. And I've been talking about dick for 10 years. When I was talking about sucking dick in 2009, it was vulgar. But now people realize she's owning it. She's allowed to, she's still a woman that's to be desired, even though she's seagulling. Like it's okay. And men talk about women and sex till the cows come home and we can do it too. And so I just want you to take strength from what I'm saying. You know, some of the jokes in there, my abortion joke, every time I've done it, I've had a woman come up to me saying, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. And then speaking to me about their abortion, you know? Yeah, it's dick jokes, but it's deeper than that. It's feminism, it's powerful, it's bravery. It's black women living in her, in her skin and not being told, oh, you can't talk about sex because black women have been sexually, you know, you know what, what yeah, position yeah. women have yeah. in the world. And it's like, no, I'm going to talk about dick, I'm going to talk about sex, and I'm going to be funny with it. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully people can take that away. Strength. And also I want to catch a dick. So hopefully a dick attached to a man that's not like, oh my God, she's rather loud, doesn't she? Yeah. And, and yeah. Mood. Okay, and, and hot mess. So mm -hmm. I, this, this is exciting fucking news, man. I haven't had a chance. It came out and I was like, I've got a backlog. Can you stop with this? Like, can I get, <laughs> do I just get my backlog in order so that I can release the news? I haven't posted about it yet, but yeah. 
We haven't started filming yet. We're going to film next year. Honestly, I'm in shock, man. Hot Mess was the second project I got away since I got to America. And I've just been holding on to that information. I've known about it since uh, last year. And I've just been wow. holding on. Yeah. People think that like the special came and then people went Hot Mess. No, I've been working on Hot Mess since last year. And essentially... I've been very open about how I feel about the way black stories are told within entertainment. And I genuinely, genuinely feel like black British culture is so much richer than what's been shown on screen. And for me, I'm happy with the stories that are out, but I wanna change up the narrative too. So I've never seen anything really in black British culture outside of potentially I may destroy you that actually reflected normal black girls' lives. It's just like everything I see resonates with a type of black culture that I don't ring true and so for me having this vehicle to make a comedy about a black British woman and living in her truth and being funny and then I happen to be able to play her I'm just I cried all I do is cry babe (laughs) cry and cry and cry I'm so grateful because I would watch Whoopi Goldberg and be like oh my god I want that but there was no British women being British women in movies. Mm. And now I get to be a British woman in a Hollywood movie. Little black girls all over the UK will watch Hot Mess and go, I see myself, I could do that. London Hughes did that. She didn't have to put on an American accent to star in this movie. She's just being a British girl. When does that happen? She's not a baby mother. No, we get nothing against baby mothers, but she's not a baby mother. She's not from a council estate, which is what I see a lot of when I watch black media. I have flaws in the movie, but I'm a represent the other, other groups, group. you know? And no one talks about us because it's not seen as dramatic. Like it's all, everyone wants to drama, like our oh, gangs, guns and drugs. And that's what's exciting. That's not all we have to offer guys. We also have this, which never gets depicted. So I just love that they've given me control i'm exec producing it as well i'm starring in it and this is going to be an authentic black british movie which meets an american audience because my character goes to america she goes to new york and there's an african-american black british culture clash which i've never seen in movies before i'm excited and um i literally i'm not an actress at all i'm gonna be in it don't give a damn i have no credentials no whatsoever Cool. might ruin the reputation of it but I don't care to be honest okay cool okay cool I'm just gonna go out and everyone's gonna hear that I'm gonna be in it for no reason um okay. final question what's made you sad mad or and glad this week this week has made me sad is okay mad no let's start with glad let's be let's be positive glad to catch a dick my special to catch a dick is coming out my movie hot mess is coming out I'm in a show called the Netflix after party and I'm in a show called history of swear words on Netflix which airs on the 5th of January. That's why I'm glad. Why I'm mad is that I'm having the conversation about lack of representation in entertainment for the women and for black women in comedy and entertainment. And I'm, I'm mad that, again, big backwards of the year decided not to book any females for their comedy show. And then I'm sad that I'm missing the UK. I'm spending Christmas in LA. And for the first time in 31 years, I'm spending Christmas without my family. And that's sad. Who are you sharing it with? Friends, my manager, like, I'll be fine. But yeah, I, I've got a good network. Team London is strong. I've got a good network of people okay. here. But yeah, it's my first Christmas. And like, it's a Christmas that will change my life because all this stuff is happening around December and I can't celebrate with my family. So that makes me sad. Oh, bless. Yeah. <laughs>
The glad is a, a lot of glad. Stuff. Yeah, the glad's great. The glad outweighs the glad. Yeah, he'll glad, glad is glad. Glad is glad, glad stuff. Well, my love, thank you so much. I can't wait to talk to you again and we'll get into some nitty gritty stuff. I'm just really very happy for you because it, and it's, it's really good to talk to you because we've not spoken like this ever. So, and it, I, it's like, I don't know, you're not that I'm supposed to know everybody, but it's good to see you and know that you're being seen. And um, yeah, man, the talent is real. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I can't wait for everyone to see it. Oh, I know I'm going to get dragged on Twitter, but I can't wait. <laughs> it's what it is. It, I mean, you know, as long as, you know, I'm saying it's so easy because it's like, it's not me, but <laughs> as long as it's not brutal and, you know, you've got your support. I'm, I'm used to it. I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for chatting with me. No worries, my love. Thank you.